Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Today we are continuing our Christmas series, The X Factor. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with this week's message. Some kind of strange, mysterious UFO flying around. I can neither confirm or deny those rumors. I don't know exactly um, what that may or may not have been. You may or may not have seen. But I can confirm this one thing. (laughs) My kids love the crazy ideas we come up with to illustrate points and ideas and thoughts. So next time we say, hey, you want to be a part of something we don't really know what it's going to look like, you'll be, yeah, I'm going to let some crazy lanterns up in the sky. I do want to say, you know, thanks to uh, Dawn and Dawn Baker for taking the chance for allowing us to use their backyard as a launching pad for those UFOs. Um, UFOs. Somebody saw them and said, what in the world? That's an unidentified. It's flying. I guess it's an object. Um, Anyway, we are uh, in the second week of our X Factor series. Uh, If you're not familiar, if you weren't here last week or you didn't catch the video online, uh, the idea of X Factor is there's a television show right now on Fox. It's a lot like American Idol. It's called The X Factor. And it's got Simon Cowell and Paul Abdul and some other people that I don't really know who they are. Um, But the premise of the show is the same as American Idol. They're looking for the next star, the next uh, rock star or pop star. But their little kind of slant on the show is what they call the X Factor. That they're looking for uh, the next star that has that uh, it. You can't really describe it. You know it when you see it, but you can't even really put your finger on it. You just see it. It's what takes a musician or a singer from a musician or a singer to a star. The X factor. I don't know what it is, but I see it and I know it. Well, we're looking at Christmas, asking the question, what is it about Christmas that takes it from just a day on the calendar, December 25th, a few days before a new year begins. What is it about December 25th that takes it from, you know, just another day, this year, just another Sunday to, ah, Christmas. You know, what is it about Christmas that makes kids, like, shiver and, and tremble with excitement? What is it about Christmas that makes my heart and your heart just kind of melt in our chest? What is it about Christmas that makes people who don't really even like each other get together in homes and have dinner called families? You don't see them any other time of the year except at Christmas where you're willing to put all your differences and aggravation with each other aside and the fact that you're Crazy brother-in-law still owes you 50 bucks from five years ago that he's never paid you. You'll put it aside for Christmas. Why is that? That's the question we are asking with our series. So if you have your Bible with you, and if you don't have your Bible, don't worry. We'll have the scriptures on the screen. In fact, we're going to have a lot of scriptures on the screen this morning. But you also have the opportunity to follow along with your smartphone or tablet. If you have the version app. Just click live in the app, search for vertical, and you can find us there and follow along that way. But we're going to read from John chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, if you're actually opening a book with pages, you can turn to John chapter 1. It's the fourth gospel in the New Testament, the fourth book in the New Testament, written by a guy named John. 
Um, surprise, takes everybody by uh, shock. John, no, John, yeah. Uh, anyway, John chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. We're going to read the first eight verses. Then we're going to jump around quite a bit. Here's what John has to say. Here's the words that he chooses to open his story about the birth of Jesus, about, about the life of Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. And that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Let's pray this morning. God, we... Ask one thing and one thing only, that we would see Jesus this morning. God, that we would see Jesus moving and operating in our lives. That we would see Jesus in his presence and his spirit fill this auditorium. That we would see Jesus. And in seeing Jesus, that our lives would be changed. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your son. We thank you for your word. And we thank you for Christmas. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I have this, uh, you might call it odd, fascination with light. I like things that light up. I, I find it interesting uh, when things light up. And Christmas is a great time of year for people like me. Because people are doing all kinds of things to their houses that involve lights. In fact, we've got a, a video on there. I believe it's... Uh, called something about lights, the second one after lights. I want to show you this video because we came up on this house and my kids went bananas. Well, we pulled up to this house and saw this. If you haven't seen this house, you need to take a trip. Get on 168 going south towards North Carolina. Take the Mount Pleasant exit. And I think it's called Hillwell. If you turn uh, towards the beach on Mount Pleasant, towards Centerville on Mount Pleasant. Um, and then that's the right, right there on Hillwell. You need to find this house. This is awesome. And for people like me that love lights, it's like a 30-minute light show. It's incredible. But you know what? It doesn't have to be fancy lights. It doesn't have to be, you know, thousands and thousands of light on a house. I recently came in contact with some very unique gloves. Now, I'm going to try to get this on my hand. It's pretty tight. But you may be thinking, well, what's the deal with those gloves? Those are just gloves with white tips. You see, what happens is a little button on the wrist, and when I hit it, that is awesome! That is killer, man, for somebody like me to get in a dark room and put those gloves on and just do this. You might think it's silly, but my five-year-old loves it. He thinks it's hilarious because, watch, you can do all kinds of crazy things. Let me just pick one. You can go all kind of blinking. Uh, that's like all on. Then there's a fade. Then you can do just red blinking. You can get them all red blinking. 
crazy preacher do it. I get them all blinking red. I don't know if you can see that. They can do blue, green. These are awesome. I got them at Cracker Barrel. Let me tell you, that is a store you need to shop more at. If you don't like, if you don't like the food at Cracker Barrel, you ain't met Jesus yet. Give me a biscuit with some butter. Let me tell you, you go to Cracker Barrel and you take the biscuit right when they give it to you, open it up, put like a whole thing of the little butter they give you in half, like a whole thing and a half, and you stick it on there and let that melt. That'll slide right down your throat. That is good stuff. But we're not talking about Cracker Barrel biscuits. We're talking about lights. I love lights. And you know what? It doesn't even have to be electronic lights. There are all kinds of lights. There's stage lights. Like we've Got an auditorium shining up on us. There are flashlights. There are big flashlights that you can walk somebody upside the head with and give them a concussion. And there are little teeny tiny flashlights that will fit in their pocket. Nobody even knows. And it doesn't have to be like electric powered or battery powered lights. There are candles. There are tall candles and short candles and big candles and skinny candles. There are candles that smell good. There are candles that have wooden wicks that crackle while they burn. And you know what? We've got them all in our house. You may think it's because Hope likes candles, but I don't say anything. I'm like, I love candles. They're awesome. Because it's light. I, get, I just get fascinated by light. And here's what I've discovered about light. Lights have all kinds of different functions. You've got some stage lights. You've got some goofy lights on gloves that's just for fun. You've got people decking their their house out with lights because they're celebrating. You've got lights that will shine on your desk so you can work. You've got lights that will help you find something in the garage. You've got lights that you light just to sit up a room. All kinds of different functions for light. All kinds of different uh, uses. Different environments that you can find light. But all light, regardless of whether it's a stage light or a glove light, really only serve one purpose. Light exists to illuminate darkness. That's it. Now it might be used to light up the house so that people are celebrating, but if they don't turn the lights on, you can't see the house because the house is in darkness. So they have to plug it in so you can see it because they've got to eliminate the darkness. They have to eliminate and illuminate the darkness. Regardless of what kind of light it is, it has a unique relationship with darkness. In fact, that's what darkness is, is the absence of light. Where light is, darkness cannot exist. Where darkness is, there is no light. Let's go back to John chapter 1. And with that kind of in mind, let's read this passage again. In the beginning was the Word. So we've got this character who is called the Word. And the Word is in the beginning. And the Word was with God. So now the Word, this character of the Word is with God. And the Word was God. So now the character who is both with God is God. It's confusing. So let's keep on going. He was with God in the beginning. We already know that because he was in the beginning. Through him all things were made. So this Word character is, who, who is God and with God is the one through whom all things were made. And it says later, anything that was made has its originating point in the Word. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. 
So now not only is the word God and with God and the one through whom all things were made, but this is the one in whom life exists. So in this one central character called the word, the word is God. The word is the, the creating power. The word is also life itself. In him was life. And that life was the light of all people. So this word who is God and with God and who has created all things and who in whom is life itself is also light. The light shines in the darkness. Right, John, that's what light does. We've had fire by this time, we know. Light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This says a story about a man named John. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Now, if we continue... Even in that chapter, we will actually discover that the light is, is probably this guy named Jesus. If you're not familiar with who Jesus is, John begins to lay out the story of Jesus. And you've got this kind of connection. Okay, Jesus, this character Jesus, he, he's, he's, he's the word and God and life and light and creation. But in case we miss it. In case we get through chapter 1 and we don't catch the correlation between this, this person named Jesus and this light of the world idea, Jesus makes it crystal clear. Absolutely, you can't mistake it. In John chapter 8 verse 12, Jesus, or Jesus says this when he's speaking to the people. I am the light of the world. Just in case you missed it, just in case you didn't hear John's introduction, just in case that page of your Bible happened to be ripped out, in case you didn't catch it the first time, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now you may be thinking, well, that's probably just John. John's probably really the only one catching this and picking up on this. Well, like I said, we're going to bounce around a couple times in Scripture so that we can land in a place. Flip back to Matthew. It's the first gospel. It's the, the one that comes right at the beginning of the New Testament. And in chapter 4, Matthew is describing the beginnings of Jesus' ministry. He's locating Jesus in, in the culture and history of the Jewish people. And he says this in verse 12 of chapter 4. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulon and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. So now Matthew's saying, okay, there was this this passage written way hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago by a guy named Isaiah. And I, I'm pretty sure that Isaiah was actually writing about Jesus when he said this. And here's what verse 15 says. As Matthew begins to quote Isaiah, land of Zebulun 
and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Matthew says there's this passage in Isaiah that talks about Jesus as the light for people who are walking in darkness. Because light exists to illuminate darkness. So if Matthew quotes Isaiah, let's all turn back in our Bibles to Isaiah. If you've got your Bible with you, jump back to Isaiah. You're going to have to uh, probably turn, I don't know, I'll give you a guess. 200 pages, 260 pages. I don't know, that may be completely off for your Bible. But in Isaiah, if we pick up at the end of chapter 8, we need to get a context for exactly what is Matthew saying about this person named Jesus, who is a light for people who are walking in darkness. What is Matthew trying to get us to see or get us to understand? So we jump back to Isaiah because that's who Matthew quoted. So picking up in verse 19 of chapter 8, so that we kind of have an idea of what Isaiah is talking about. Isaiah says, when someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to this word, they have no Light of dawn. Now, listen to how Isaiah describes these people who have no light. In other words, they're living in darkness. Listen to how he describes them. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged and looking upward will curse their king and their God. He said they're hungry. They're famished. They're looking for something to satisfy them, to bring them fulfillment, and they can't find it because they're roaming and wondering because they have no light. They're in darkness, Isaiah says. That's why they're distressed. That's why they're wondering. That's why they're roaming. That's why they can't find what they're looking for. That's why they can't find the satisfaction for the hunger that's inside of them because they're in darkness, they can't see. It keeps on going. They will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. Friends, that is a sad place to be. When you look around and the only thing you can see is distress and darkness and gloom and fear. And they will be thrust into utter darkness. That is a sad place to be. But I would dare say that if you haven't seen the light of Jesus, this is exactly where you are. Matter of fact, you know, we get real caught up with complaining about the nature and state of our world. You can go on Facebook, people are complaining all the time about how bad our country is and how bad our nation is. They're living in darkness. What do you expect? They can't see. You're wondering why people are distressed and 
full of darkness and evil and full of gloom and fear and wondering and, and cursing and, and ravaging and, and raging and angry. You're wondering why they are in darkness looking for satisfaction and they can't find it. This is what Isaiah is saying. They're in darkness. They're getting angry and frustrated and distressed because they're looking for satisfaction and they're looking for fulfillment and they can't find it because there is no light. Then it begins chapter 9. This is a beautiful word. Nevertheless. Mm. Nevertheless. I'm thankful there was a moment in my life when Jesus Christ looked at me and said, Nevertheless. Nevertheless, you don't come from the right family. Nevertheless, that your parents got divorced. Nevertheless, you didn't have the right kind of role models around you. Nevertheless, you lived in pure darkness for so many years. Nevertheless, nevertheless, your marriage didn't work. Nevertheless, the prayer that you prayed didn't get answered. Nevertheless, that the sickness just continued to get worse. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom. My Lord, that is a hope-filled verse right there if I've ever read one. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. And here's where Matthew picks up, quoting about Jesus Christ. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. You want to know who Jesus came for? You want to know who Jesus is the light of the world for? People living in darkness, whose lives are full of fear and gloom and darkness and distress, who are roaming around looking for satisfaction and can't find it because they're living in darkness. They have no point of reference, no direction in their life, no vision, no purpose. They're just roaming. And they're angry. And they become enraged. They may even curse God. Because they're in darkness. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Matthew says, this passage is all about Jesus. Jesus is the light that has dawned. Jesus is the light that people walking in darkness have seen. In fact, if you go down a few verses in verse 6, people all over the world are probably preaching this verse today. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Who is that? That's Jesus. So we would be well to say that Jesus exists to illuminate the darkness in people's lives. Wesley, you go ahead and come on out. There's a, there's a way I want to illustrate this. There he is. Because because if you don't see it, I just don't think you're going to catch it. Okay? Give me a couple minutes. Let me get down here. Let's, like, like Brian said, we're going to black out a couple times. Because I, I need you to get it. I need you to see it. And when you see it, I think you're going to catch it. And when you catch it, I believe our church is going to be completely different. Yes. So let's go ahead and kill all the lights. We are in darkness. And I'm sitting in the seat. Now, 
I need you to imagine this with me because we've got some ambient light coming through different places. But imagine I'm sitting here in the auditorium in the seat and we're in darkness. And I'm looking for something. Now, with it being dark, I can't find my way. I bump into stuff. I might step on somebody's head. I might hurt somebody. I might offend somebody. I might, God forbid, I'm not planning on putting my hands on anybody. I might touch somebody inappropriately. I might sin. I might fall. I might smack my face on the ground. Why? Because I can't see. It's dark. And scripture says that there was a man named Jesus who came to be the light of the world. Wesley, would you go ahead and crack open your glow stick? Now, it's still pretty dark in here. But you know what the light does for me? I've got a point of reference. And I might break my leg on these chairs, but I'm going to get to the light because now I have a direction. Now I have a purpose. I can see where satisfaction comes. And I might hurt myself. I might fall. I might hit you. I might bump into you. But I'm going to get to the light because light is a point of reference. Light gives you direction. Light gives you purpose. Light says, come this way. There's satisfaction and fulfillment here. Find the light. Jesus is the light. Get the lights back on. Get up and wait. Good job. Jesus is the light. We're in darkness. And Jesus is shining his light. So that people living in darkness will see the light. And find Jesus. It's not rocket science. Motel 6 knows this. We'll leave the light on for you. Why are they going to leave the light on for you? Because you're driving around and you're looking for a place to stay. And the light says, here's where you go. It's the point of light. Light is a point of reference. In the darkness. It says, come this way. This way. This way. Now it would be real cute if we stopped here. It would be real easy. But you know that's not how we do it. Because we're talking about an X-Factor Christmas. And I do believe with all my heart that if you're going to have an X-Factor Christmas, then you need to understand why Jesus exists. You need to answer the exist question. Why did Jesus exist? Jesus exists to illuminate the darkness. He is the light of the world. But we can't actually have an X Factor Christmas until we move that question from Jesus to me and you. Why do we exist? What's our purpose? Why, why us? What on earth am I here for? What's God's will for my life? You ever had those kind of questions? You ever been praying, God, what are you doing? Everything that I thought was going to be nice and smooth is just like a wrecking ball that's hit everything. What are you up to? What's my purpose? 
Why do, I, why do I exist? You see, in Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 4, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Anybody following me will never walk in darkness. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus has gathered his followers, his disciples, those who have said, Jesus, we want to live life your way. Jesus, we want to do life like you do life. Jesus, we want to live like you. You are our master. You are our Lord. We want to be covered with whatever's covering you. We want to walk so closely to you that people eventually start mistaking us. We want to sound like you and talk like you and look like you. These are the people Jesus has gathered around him. This famous passage called Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Jesus gives this wonderful teaching. And near the beginning of chapter 5, he's got them gathered around him. And he's speaking into their lives. And in verse 14, the one who was the word, who was with God and was God, the one through whom all things were made, the one in whom life existed itself, the one who was the light of the world, declared by John and declared by himself, Looks at his followers who have said, I want to live life like you live life. I want to follow you. You are the Savior. You are the Master. You are the Lord. He looks at them, and in verse 14, he says, You are the light of the world. He answers forever and always the great existing question. Why do I exist? Why have you saved me? What's your plan for my life? What's your will for my life? Jesus looks at you and I and he says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I read this passage and I ask myself a very silly, simple question. Why would somebody light a light and then hide it? That's just mean. Look, Taylor Swift said, why are you going to be so mean? That's just rude. That's like, that's like the power goes out in your house and I come over and I've got a flashlight and I turn it on and put it in my jacket. That's just mean. That's just rude. And I think that's what Jesus is trying to, trying to tell them. Look, it's just mean. If you've got a light, don't put it under a bowl. People are walking in darkness. If you've got a light, let that thing shine. As we saw earlier with Wesley, if just one person has a light in a room full of darkness, we can find our way to them. We're going to be able to get to them. Why? Because they're shining a light. But what if? What if there existed a church who knew why they existed? What if there existed a community of believers who said, we know who we are. We know why we exist. We exist to be the light of the world. We exist to point those who are far from God to life in Jesus. We exist to illuminate Christ. We exist to illuminate the darkness. We know why we exist. What if there was a church in a neighborhood or a community that was very dark? Only had maybe 
80% of the population didn't know Christ. Sounds kind of like our community, Hampton Road, Southampton Road, about 80% of the people know Jesus. What if there was a church in the community with so much darkness that said, we know why we exist. We don't ever have to ask the question, why do I exist? We know why we exist. We exist to point those who are far from God to life in Jesus. What if there was a church that really grabbed hold of that and took that and held that to their hearts and said, we exist to be the light of the world? What if the world was dark and it was full of darkness and there was no light to be found? What if there existed a church that said we're going to be the light of Christ in our dark world? What if there was a church that said we know who we are. We're not going to get caught up in this argument and that argument and these songs or these songs. We're not going to get caught up on, well, should you wear this or should you wear that? We're not going to get caught up on all these external, really meaningless arguments. We're going to focus on pointing those who are far from God to life in Jesus because he is the light of the world and he has called us to be the light of the world. And we don't know exactly how we're going to do it. We're just going to let our light shine into darkness. What if there was a church like that in a neighborhood or a community or a city or a region that was full of darkness? You walk through the door this morning, you received a glow stick. And some of y'all have been trying to break that thing sweating and want to know, what am I going to do? Just hold on. Don't break it just yet. What if there was a church that answered the question, what is Christmas about? What's the X factor of Christmas? Why do I exist? Why does our church exist? Well, we exist to be the light of the world, to illuminate Christ, so that those who are far from God may see his good, may see and glorify our Father in heaven. They see our relationship with God and bring glory to God. What if there was a church like that? Can we get 10 or 15 people? Go ahead and crack open your glow stick. Just hold it up. How about 10 or 15 more people? Okay, everybody in the, everybody in the auditorium, go ahead and crack it open and just, just hold it up. Everybody, everybody, everybody. If you didn't get one, we got one. What if there was a church like this? What if there was a church that said, we're going to just let our light shine. We're just going to shine. That's all we're going to do. We're just going to glow. But the darkness wouldn't be so dark and those walking in the darkness would sure know which way to head. What if there was a church like this in a community of darkness that said we exist to be the light of the world? This is why we do church. 
This is who we are. Notice your eyes aren't hurting. We're not obnoxious light. We're light. And for those walking in darkness, to have this many lights pointing in the same direction would be surely to bring hope to somebody's life. Nevertheless, there's no more gloom for those who are walking in darkness. Church, that this, this is an illustration of what that passage means. Nevertheless, nevertheless, I don't care how dark your life is. I don't care how dark your world is. I'm shining my light because Jesus is the light. And he said, I'm the light of the world. I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Shine all over Chesapeake, I'm going to let it shine. Shine all over Southampton Roads, I'm going to let it shine. What if there was a church like this? Let's go ahead and turn the lights back up. Almost finished. I want to share one last thing with you this morning. You can keep those, by the way. They last for a long time. This, uh, this week, this week has not been easy. Amen. <laughs> and, um, you know, just trying to be vulnerable for a moment, kind of transparent. Um, when you're a 31-year-old pastor, lead teaching pastor of a church, and you look younger than you are, I'm not bragging or anything. I'm pretty excited about that. I'll be more thankful for it as I get older. Sometimes people won't take you very seriously. Can just be honest a little for a moment? And you know what God has called you to do. And you know what God has spoken, the promises that He's given you for years. And sometimes when people don't respond to you kind of the way you hope they do. It's discouraging. I'm not talking about I'm not talking about anybody in this room. I'm just talking about the feeling that the enemy creeps over in your life in a moment of discouragement and begins whispering things to you. Wednesday night I told Hope it was probably we were going to bed pretty late. Um, I told her I said I just need to stay up for a few hours. I just I just need some time just to pray and just to be alone with God. And it's probably, I'm not trying to say this braggadociously, it's probably 1 30 in the morning. It was in my living room. I'm just praying. I'm asking God, what are you doing? I don't know if your year has gone like this. My year was not mapped out this way. January 1, 2011, I did not know that come December 11, 2011, my life would unfold the way it has in the last few months. Sure, I had hopes and dreams of, of the future, but I just leave that in God's hands and say, God, your time, whatever you want to have happen, I will follow you. And so Wednesday night, I'm praying, I'm asking God, God, what are you doing? Ever been there? You've just been there. God, what are you up to? You? What are you doing? 
know I'm only 31, but I feel like God, I should be further along than this. And if you're a first time guest this morning, this might be real intimate for you. It might feel uncomfortable. Sorry. But I'm also praying over our church. God, what are you up to in our church? What are you doing? feel like we should be further along with this. I'm frustrated, God. Discouraged. Feel beaten up. Bruised up. And I know, and I'm telling God, God, I know this is easy. Because this is just the beginning. God, the pain's only going to get worse the longer we do this. I know that, God, but I just want some reassurance of what you're up to. And I'm not a Bible answer guy. I don't have a lot of scriptures committed to memory. It's just not the way my mind works. I could paraphrase all day long, but there are a few passages of scripture that I've just got drilled down in my heart. Kneeling at my couch, 1.30, 1.45 in the morning. And God spoke to me, took me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. That passage of scripture says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing Power is not is from God and not from us. And I said, God, what, what are you talking about? I'm asking you, what what's going on here? Why why is life like this? Why is the, why things kind of transpired the way they have? And you take me to a verse about clay pots and your power. I said, God, I know about clay pots. I've studied this. God, don't you know I have all the education I've gone through? I've had the book studies. I know what those words mean. What are you trying to say to me in this moment? How are you trying to speak to me? I know that clay pots are just cheap, ordinary pots that if you drop them, they shatter and they crack. God, I know about clay pots. And God said, my light shines best through the broken cracks in the pot. So Kyle, why'd you have to go there? This morning, I forgot the cups that go in the store, and so I went home to get them. And as I'm just walking through my house, God says, want your light to shine brighter. The brighter your, the brightness of your light is proportional to the pain you're willing to get through. If you want your light to be brighter, you're asking for more pain. I said, God, surely that's not true. And he said, look at Jesus. He's shown brighter than any human being on the planet has ever shown. And it took him to the cross. Son, if you want your light to shine brighter, you got to be willing to endure more pain. That's great. I don't like being broken. But God says that His light shines best in our lives when our pots are broken. Why? Because people see that it's not us. It's the all-surpassing power of God. Now maybe your year has not gone the way you anticipated it to go. Maybe when you flipped your calendar 
in December of last year into January of this year, you didn't know what was going to happen. You didn't know that your loved one was going to get sick. You didn't know that the bank account was going to dry up. You didn't know that you were going to lose your job. You didn't know they were going to foreclose on your house. You didn't know. And now you're left with a bunch of broken pieces of your jar asking God, what are you doing with this mess? God's word to you is that my light shines best when your jar is broken. You want to know why you exist? You want to know what God is up to? You want to know what God is doing in your life when everything seems to not be going as planned? Maybe your jar is breaking so that his light can shine for you. Some of you this morning have been wondering, why am I here? For what purpose do I have? What, what, are, what is your plan for my life, God? What is your will for my life? You exist to shine the light of God. And his light shines best when the pot's broken. I know that's not a happy message for Christmas. Does it make you go out and sing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or Jingle Bells? But at midnight, when you can't sleep and the enemy's whispering things in your ear, my prayer for you is that the Spirit of God would whisper in your ear, We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power of God is from God and not from us. You're wondering what's going on in your life. God says, you know why you exist. You exist to be the light of the world. I'm making you a little brighter right now. Making you a little brighter. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we would love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you would like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.